Welcome back to The Daily Poem. I'm David Kern, and today is Tuesday, December 1st, 2020. And I am so glad to be back with you. I should apologize for the extended absence of this podcast. I've been preparing along with my wife to open our bookstore. The bookstore is now open. You can Google Goldberry Books if you'd like. <laughs> Check it out. But uh, the bookstore is now open, and we are getting into a routine of the bookstore plus the other job, plus family, plus all those things that are going on. And of course, it is the holiday season as well. So I'm ready to get back at the daily poem, and I figured that I would start just bringing it back on December 1st. So I've got a whole month of poems planned out for you. Um, Many of them, of course, are Advent, Christmas, uh, and winter-themed in general. And then, of course, some are chosen because there's a poet's birthday or something significant um, is going on 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 the particular date, Um, that sort of thing. Today I wanted to do uh, a little bit of both because today's poem is absolutely winter-themed but it's also by one of my favorite poets and by one of the great American poets. His name is Robert Frost, who lived from 1874 to 1963. He was, of course, the Poet Laureate of the United States for a while. And of course, as you've heard me mention here on the podcast, he is the only poet to receive four Pulitzer Prizes for poetry. It's just absolutely incredible. He was named the Poet Laureate of Vermont and also won the Congressional Gold Medal in 1960 for his poetry. And the poem that I'm going to read to you today is called Christmas Trees. It's uh, not one of his shorter ones, so I'll read it twice, but um, I'll probably keep my comments relatively um, to the point, relatively simple, maybe make a few observations, and then get back to reading it one more time for you so that this episode doesn't take forever. So here is Robert Frost's Christmas Trees. A Christmas Circular Letter. The city had withdrawn into itself and left at last the country to the country. When between worlds of snow not come to lie and worlds of foliage not yet laid, there drove a stranger to our yard who looked the city, yet did in country fashion in that there he sat and waited till he drew us out a buttoning coats to ask him who he was. He proved to be the city come again to look for something it had left behind and could not do without and keep its Christmas. He asked if I would sell my Christmas trees. My woods. The young fir balsams like a place where houses all our churches and have spires. I hadn't thought of them as Christmas trees. I doubt if I was tempted for a moment to sell them off their feet to go in cars and leave the slope behind the house all bare, where the sun shines now no warmer than the moon. I'd hate to have them know it if I was. Yet more I'd hate to hold my trees except as others hold theirs, or refuse for them beyond the time of profitable growth, the trial by market everything must come to. I dallied so much with the thought of selling. Then, whether from mistaken courtesy and fear of seeming short of speech, or whether from hope of hearing good of what was mine, I said, there aren't enough to be worthwhile. I could soon tell how many they would cut. You let me look them over. You could look, but don't expect I'm going to let you have them. Pasture they spring in. Some in clumps too close that lop each other of boughs, but not a few quite solitary and having equal boughs all round and round. The latter he nodded yes to, 
or pause to say beneath some lovelier one with a buyer's moderation. That would do. I thought so too, but wasn't there to say so. We climbed the pasture on the south, crossed over, and came down on the north. He said, A thousand. A thousand Christmas trees? At what a piece. He felt some need of softening that to me. A thousand Christmas trees would come to thirty dollars. Then I was certain I had never meant to let him have them, never show surprise. But thirty dollars seemed so small beside the extent of pasture I should strip. Three cents, for that was all they figured out a piece. Three cents, so small beside the dollar friends I should be writing to within the hour, would pay in cities for good trees like those. Regular vestry trees whole Sunday schools could hang enough on to pick off enough. A thousand Christmas trees I didn't know I had. Worth three cents more to give away than sell, as may be shown by a simple calculation. Too bad I couldn't lay one in a letter. I can't help wishing I could send you one, in wishing you herewith a Merry Christmas. Although they're not his most famous poems in most cases, Frost employed a form much like this one throughout his career. That form, of course, being a conversation between two people. He's got many lengthy poems that fit that mold. Uh, A Death of the Hired Man, or I guess The Death of the Hired Man, is probably the most famous one. But this is another one. A little drama plays out within the context of his lines. And in this drama, our main character, our protagonist, our voice, has a dilemma that arises. Does he sell off the Christmas trees he loves so much? And if so, is there any kind of profit that would make it worth his while? That drama, of course, that question itself, that question, of course, plays out throughout the poem. But first, Frost begins by, you know, suggesting nostalgia, the idea that even people who live in the city long for the kind of nostalgia, the kind of beauty that people who live in the country have all the time. I suppose, in a way, that's playing out for so many of us who, right after Thanksgiving, are rushing to Christmas tree lots or perhaps driving up to the mountains or or wherever uh, and, and getting Christmas trees for our homes. I know yesterday my family did that as we uh, got ready for this Advent season. And of course, the children love it, right? Children love to decorate the tree and have the lights on and our kids get up first thing in the morning and put the Christmas tree lights on. Can't have, can't have any waking minutes without the lights on. Uh, <laughs> But of course, we do that because of the beauty they bring to us, the, the, the beauty, the, the natural wonder that they bring to our home. And what's interesting to me is that by the end of the poem, this farmer who is not so keen on putting a dollar value on his, his trees that he loves so much, these trees who offer so much to his property and his soil and his land and his way of life, he's much more likely to want to give them away by mailing them in an envelope than he is to want to sell them for three cents a piece, (laughs) which is a dollar amount that, uh, of course, is absolutely absurd to to us now. And it seems that in the end, what he doesn't want, what what the farmer doesn't want, what the poet, the voice doesn't want, is for his trees that he loves so much to become a part of a calculation. The, uh, the merchant, he's gonna, he's gonna buy them and then sell them for 
you know, a dollar or something each, right? And he's going to make 97 cents or something um, and, and make some really good money. And this is a, this is something that the, the farmer doesn't, doesn't want to happen because he loves these things as living creatures. So he'd rather give them to people who would love them rather than force those people to spend the dollar that uh, they would have to pay with the, with the merchant. Um, so as you're getting a Christmas tree this season, it's a little poem for you to remember. Here it is one more time. The city had withdrawn into itself and left at last the country to the country. When between worlds of snow not come to lie and worlds of foliage not yet laid, there drove a stranger to our yard who looked the city yet did in country fashion, in that there he sat and waited till he drew us out of buttoning coats to ask him who he was. He proved to be the city come again, to look for something it had left behind and could not do without and keep its Christmas. He asked if I would sell my Christmas trees, my woods, the young fir balsams like a place where houses are all churches and have spires. I hadn't thought of them as Christmas trees. I doubt if I was tempted for a moment to sell them off their feet, to go in cars and leave the slope behind the house all bare, where the sun shines now no warmer than the moon. I'd hate to have them know it if I was. Yet more I'd hate to hold my trees except as others hold theirs, or refuse for them, beyond the time of profitable growth, the trial by market everything must come to. I dallied so much with the thought of selling, then, whether from mistaken courtesy and fear of seeming short of speech, or whether from hope of hearing good of what was mine, I said, eh, there aren't enough to be worthwhile. I could soon tell how many they would cut, you let me look them over. You could look, but I don't expect I'm going to let you have them. Pasture they spring in, some in clumps too close that lop each other of boughs, but not a few quite solitary and having equal boughs all round and round. The latter, he nodded. Yes, too. Or paused to say beneath some lovelier one, with a buyer's moderation. That would do. I thought so, too, but it wasn't there to say so. We climbed the pasture on the south, crossed over, and came down on the north. He said, A thousand? A thousand Christmas trees? At what a piece? He felt some need of softening that to me. A thousand trees would come to thirty dollars. Then I was certain I had never meant to let him have them. Never show surprise. But thirty dollars seemed so small beside the extent of pasture I should strip. Three cents, for that was all they figured out a piece. Three cents so small beside the dollar friends I should be writing to within the hour would pay in cities for good trees like those. Regular vestry trees. Whole Sunday schools could hang enough on to pick off enough. A thousand Christmas trees I didn't know I had. Worth three cents more to give away than sell, as may be shown by a simple calculation. Too bad I couldn't lay one in a letter. I can't help wishing I could send you one, in wishing you were here with a Merry Christmas. This has been The Daily Poem. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you.